Hey, it's Hannah here. This is the Great Unraveling Podcast. Before I dive in to introduce my guest on today's show, I just wanted to read you something. I did something this week that I have only ever done one other time in my almost 30 years on this planet. I marched. I am an environmentalist and feminist, but I am also a highly sensitive person and an introvert. My involvement in the political process has always been behind the scenes. I did my civic duty through writing to my senators, calling my representatives and signing petitions. I voted in presidential and midterm elections. I have never been passive about my duty, but I have also never been what I would call an activist. As soon as I heard about the Women's March on Washington, I felt a pull that I have never felt in my life. I had to be there. And then doubt crept in. Does my voice matter? What do I have to say? There will certainly be enough people there that I don't need to show up. And I maintained this dialogue for weeks until the week of the march when I could no longer deny that I needed to be part of this. You see, finding myself and my intuition has also led to finding my voice and I am not going to pass off my responsibility to use this voice just because I have doubts. So that was from a blog post uh, titled Highly Sensitive Introvert Activist and it was written by Ashley Stinson who is my guest on the podcast today. So as you can imagine we're going to be talking about how to be politically active and to participate in the political landscape when you're a sensitive soul or when you just feel that general sense of helplessness and overwhelm after sitting in front of the news for 20 minutes. We start the conversation at a bit of a midway point, but I think you'll understand in the context of what I've just read where we're up to. I hope you enjoy this chat. Yeah, I when I saw the post that you'd written, it was funny because I was just, I'd been thinking a lot about this topic because my background's in social work and mm. I'm also like quite sensitive. And in the last few years, I've just gone can't deal with it <laughs> can't deal with it <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's like a bit I of know. a thrill because part of me is like oh I really should be engaged in this and you know watching the news and engaging um you know like I used to which was um you know more activist kind of stuff but um yeah for whatever reason it just became a little bit overwhelming <laughs> Um, okay. it's something that a lot of people are grappling with how to engage without depleting themselves and right yeah um, I mean there's just there's so many things to engage with right now you know um, especially I'm not super familiar with Australian politics um, so I'm definitely speaking from the point of view of an American right now mm. um, but everything that has come up I think because we had a president for eight years that was you know kind of a progressive ally um 
we knew things were at least being represented kind of at that, uh, at that level. Um, and now it just feels like everything that has made any progress in the past years is taking a major step back, you know, not even to where it was before, you know, eight years ago, but like beyond that, um, there's just this idea of, you know, do I have to engage in everything? Um, cause we're talking, you know, refugees, LGBTQIA, women's rights, disabled rights, um, everything, educational rights even, which is absurd. <laughs> All of it's absurd in my mind, but, um, it's, uh, I think it's taxing. Like you were saying is there's just, especially from an introvert's perspective and a sensitive perspective, this feeling to want to just kind of be like, nope, like, uh, personally, you know, I know I am like, aside from women's rights, I am okay and I will be okay. And, um, you know, I just, I had a lot of guilt coming up with that to be like, you know, because I do have this position, um, I feel like it's time now that I need to use my voice more than ever. Uh, so that's where I started looking into where do I get involved and, you know, what does that mean for me? I'd love to hear you share your story about your recent participation in the Women's March on Washington that took place recently. Yeah, um, and this is, I want to clarify, first of all, that I didn't go to the one in Washington. I was at a sister march, which was um, in my town locally. I'm probably about two and a half to three hours from Washington, but um, that was part of this, you know, big pushback in being an introvert and a highly sensitive person was um, that kind of struggle between do I make the drive and go to Washington and engage, you know, on such a large stage or do I stay home somewhere where I'm comfortable, make my voice heard, like, albeit in a slightly different manner. Um, and my decision on that because I felt like I was getting such a big no and I mean it wasn't just even internal I felt like there were all of these external things that were happening that was just like you cannot go that day you know my kids ended up sick the person I was going to carpool with ended up not going um, so there were like all of these universal factors and it was just like okay uh, you know I'm staying home and I'm going to participate here locally and even being that close to Washington we still ended up with uh, I want to say almost 1500 people, I think was the final count, um, at the women's March rally where I was. Um, and that was, that to me was incredible because so many people I knew went that there were still that many people in our community that showed up here. Um, and it was interesting looking around because it was so many parents and they brought their kids and, you know, a lot of older people that wouldn't have went to Washington. So it was extremely diverse. Um, a lot of dads brought kids and their wives had gone to Washington to march and not march. So it was like, amazing to also see all these like, you know, feminist husbands and parent, um, you know, fathers that were setting this example for their kids, um, which was really cool. Um, but I think you know, my main, my main reason for wanting to engage with this had a lot to do with um, kind of like finding my own voice this past year. It's been a 
huge year of growth for me. Um, I'm going off on a tangent here again, but started, you know, kind of started into my Saturn return this past year and, you know, questioning everything. So there was a lot of soul searching and growth and all of that stuff. And that was when I really started embracing being highly sensitive and embracing, you know, myself as an introvert. Um, I always knew I was one, but it was always kind of like a, um, not that I was ashamed of it, but, um, I just wasn't like, this is me. I need my space. I need my time. You know, sort of thing. Um, so embracing all of that has kind of led to me finding my voice. And I just felt like it was my responsibility to, to use my voice, um, in this particular uh, outlet, I guess. Um, so that was, I guess the roundabout way of where I ended up, where I ended up on that day. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I know for myself, actually going into those crowded spaces where there's lots of noise and lots of people, it's not usually a space where I feel that comfortable. And I know from your amazing blog post, you struggled with mm. <laughs> and struggle yes style. how how why why should I put myself in that position why should I make myself uncomfortable and is there another way that's softer and more gentle so do you know why what was the tipping point I guess in you moving from just you know supporting it from a distance versus actually stepping out and putting yourself in amongst that energy? I think there are a couple different pointers with that. Um, the first one was, you know, what I just kind of talked about a little bit, the soul growth and the personal development, um, brought a lot of things to the forefront to me over the past year. Um, I was raised in a Catholic school, in a Catholic household, in an environment that didn't really encourage you know, women's leadership or questioning the status quo, and in this past year, um, have moved past a lot of those blocks. So I think a part of that was me deciding that, like, you know, as a woman, like, I am going to step up because this is who I am, and this is my responsibility, um, and this is also, like, this is okay, and this is supported in this environment. Um, and then I also think a huge tipping point for me for actually showing up was that I'm a mom now. Um, and I want to set that example, you know, and I'm a mom of boys, so, uh, I'm having this, you know, I want to raise feminist boys, um, <laughs> and I want them to see that their mom is someone who, whenever it really matters, is going to step up and speak up for herself. Um, you know, kids learn so much by watching what we do and not necessarily what we say. So, you know, even though they're only two, I still wanted to kind of from the earliest age, just be like, you know what, this is really important to me and I'm going to go do that. So, you know, you're staying home with dad today while mom goes and, you know, makes her voice heard. Um, and, uh, so I think that was probably the second thing. And then the last tipping point was that I just feel so, so strongly against this administration. 
Um, and I felt like there had to be just a massive, massive outpouring against it. And, um, I think there's safety in numbers in that, you know, you, you know, that there are going to be hundreds of thousands of millions of people protesting this. Um, I think that also kind of, even in the big crowd allowed the introvert in me to hide a little bit, you know, I was part of that number and that was okay. So that, you know, that's a little bit of the shadow side of it, but, um, it's, it's true. <laughs> Do you think that maybe, I mean, I'm thinking at that more, you know, more, I guess, energetic level that this actually had to happen to spark this sort of response because I don't know it's very different in Australia but I feel like we were in a bit of a state of complacency and we've gone through all these different um, periods of time where things like global warming and marriage equality were really hot topics but I just noticed in the last you know two years those things seem to have died down a little bit some of that momentum had died down and when this happened Part of me was thinking, maybe maybe this is a good thing because people are getting fired up again. People are actually um, reconsidering their complacency. Do you, have you thought much about that? I have thought a lot about that. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, gosh, there is... Oh, there's so much to say on that topic. Let me think of where I want to start. <laughs> I know. <it's> a bit... <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the first thing that really comes to mind for me is, and I've heard, you know, a couple people talk about this, is that, and I've gotten backlash from friends for saying this, so I, I don't even know how this will be received. But I agree with you. I do feel like it had to happen. Would I have rather maybe the discussion happened while he was a candidate and we all came together and decided we weren't having any of that? That would have been great um, <laughs> if we never had to go down this road. But uh, we do. <laughs> so um, the way I envision this is, you know, so many people talk about this being the time of from a spiritual perspective, from a collective consciousness perspective, the rise of the feminine. You know, we're entering into the Aquarian age, which I have only cursory knowledge of, so um, I wouldn't quote me on any of this stuff. But it's, um, you know, it's this huge transitional time in the collective conscious, collective consciousness. And, um, it's almost like you had to have that last push to unite it. You know, we have this man who is almost like a caricature of a person, you know, acting in this massive way against, gosh, I mean, against the feminine, really, not just the feminine, but, um, you know, kind of against that, nurturing, uplifting, um, like spiritual feeling, you know, he's kind of like everything against that. Um, he is this, you know, old school white guy who is supporting beliefs and policies that 
have been outdated for a long time, you know? So it's almost kind of like, the, I picture it as like this last dying, gasping breath almost um, of what's going to come to pass. And because it is so hyper-radicalized, I think it's united people against him. It has given people the strength to stand up and say, absolutely not. And I feel like it's brought so much, so much activism forward. I get a newsletter every single day in my email inbox from this group uh, or from a local group that is organized around this. Um, It's a document called Indivisible. I don't know if you would even have any knowledge of what that is in Australia, but um, a little bit of history background here. Part of the way that the Republicans gained control was through a political party called the Tea Party. They were kind of like this radicalized arm. Um, And they were a very small minority and worked extremely diligently by calling, by going to town halls, by making their voices known, and by getting people elected. And so staffers that worked on Congress or in Congress whenever they were doing this have gone through and dissected exactly what their uh, game plan was, like what their tactics were, what they did to turn a supermajority Democratic House and Senate to a Republican House and Senate while we had a Democratic president. You know, so they're looking at what happened and how they did that and have created this document that's called Indivisible. And it is kind of like a step-by-step guide for how Democrats and liberals and independents can now kind of harness those same tactics and that same philosophy, but to achieve our aims now. Um, So I am part of an indivisible group here locally, and I get an email every single day that says, here are five things you can do today. And you know, I'll look at some of them and it's like, show up at, you know, your representative's office, you know, we're having a march and it's 2 p.m. on a weekday. And a part of me is like, what same person can show up to a march at 2 p.m. on a weekday and they'll post the next day. And, you know, they had over a thousand people turn out. And so I just like that to me speaks to this huge shift of people coming together. You know, there are indivisible groups everywhere and that's not I mean that's not the only one that's working you know so I think I think people are calling their representatives I think people are writing I think people are marching um but most of all I think people are also supporting one another you know things that used to be you know not my problem you know I'm not an immigrant, so it's not my problem. I'm not a refugee, that's not my problem. I am not, you know, LGBTQIA, that's not my problem. You know, everybody that used to be thinking these things that they didn't have to show up because it was not their problem, I think there's now been this collective shift that it's all of our problem. And I actually think that that's kind of a beautiful place to be because it's this, you know, just, it's supportive. Um, and I... I don't know. I think, I just think there's like, there's a beauty in that, that this, you know, this triggering event happened, but because of it, so many people have come together with a common goal. Yeah. I think that 
I know I'm in Australia, and I imagine it could be similar, that people sort of outsource that stuff to others. They're like, oh, well, someone else will fix that or someone else is going to take care of that issue and I'm too busy, I've got all this stuff, I've got all this stress, I've got my own problems, I'm just going to outsource that somehow. But I think <laughs> that's been the change. It's like individual responsibility and coming back mm-hmm. that actually every little tiny bit actually counts. Yes. Yeah. But I think, you know, something where you were just saying outsourcing that to other people, um, you know, if we bring this back to the conversation of being an introvert and a highly sensitive person, um, it's also reassuring to know that there's that huge support there. Because to me, it's essential to make sure I'm not burning myself out. You know, I'm not doing something every single day. I'm not calling people every single day. I, you know, kind of have my few hot topics <laughs> that I am, you know, super passionate about. And anytime something comes up regarding those topics, I'm going to get involved. But I also know they're not the same topics that, you know, my friend is super passionate about. So she's getting involved on those. So I think it's also knowing that we have the ability to set back and sometimes because there is such an engaged population now that they're going to take care of what they're extremely engaged in. And I'm going to be working on, you know, what I'm extremely engaged in. And that also gives you that, you know, sense of, okay, you know, we just had a victory regarding this. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to take care of myself and get ready to go the next time something happens. I really, I wanted to ask you, what gifts do introverts and sensitive souls have to offer in these times of fear and uncertainty? Gosh, this is where I'm going to start like waxing poetic about introverts and highly sensitive people um, because I have embraced it so wholeheartedly this past year um I think that the entire thing is just this huge gift um and I think it applies really well right now actually we feel things really deeply and I I think that's a broad generalization about introverts and highly sensitive people and you know we're even getting into like empaths here um but I think because of that, like being able to be really attuned to how the global political climate is affecting other people, not just ourselves. So it's, you know, we're looking at how it's affecting like the most vulnerable communities and we feel that, you know, Um, which I think previously I would have been like, oh, oh my gosh, this is awful. I feel terrible all the time because there's so much sadness and hate and whatever. But by being able to kind of flip my perspective on that and I know how to protect my own energy and make sure I'm in a good space, I'm like, this is a beautiful thing because I, I feel like it's just kind of really encouraging me to engage. But I think... I think a lot of this, you know, not just the sensitivity, but introverts (laughs) tend to do really well on a one-on-one basis, right? Like, you know, you put me with even a stranger one-on-one. Once I get past the small talk, (laughs) we're going to be just fine. But you put me in a room of 25 people and I kind of want to go to the corner 
because I don't know where to start or who to talk to first. And it's just the energy is overwhelming to do something like that. But because of that ability to uh, converse well and relate to people one-on-one and be able to make incredibly deep friendships and not just like passing acquaintances of 25 people, I think that's where sensitive people and introverts can become some of the best allies in this situation. They need allies and they need allies from not only, you know, like-minded people, but sometimes people that aren't necessarily in that position, you know, people of privilege that have a voice that tends to be heard a little bit louder or given more weight whenever they do speak up. And I think that kind of allows us to become like a safe place. I think it just really kind of solidifies the importance of making a personal connection and a personal communication and bridging that gap. And I think that's where introverts and highly sensitive people shine. Yeah, my concluding question is, where to from here? What ways are you going to be engaging going forward? And what's the momentum like at the moment? I'm always curious as to how that energy kind of wanes. And, you know, it's hard to know how long we're going to have to be engaging at this level. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the optimist in me is saying hopefully not much longer, Um, (laughs) but um, I think uh, as far as where to from here, um, like I said, personally, it's really just staying on top of the issues that I am passionate about currently. Um, I know there are a lot of different marches that are going to be coming up. There's a march for scientists. Um, I've seen a couple others come by. Um, And I feel like that's where, you know, it's really calling to those specific groups, like the people that are passionate about that are going to be showing up for those things. So I feel like the momentum is, I mean, I feel like it's steady really, at least from how I've been participating Um, I definitely don't feel like we've reached burnout. A lot of conservatives were saying after the women's march that, oh, you know, just let them have their moment. It's going to stop. It's going to go away. Uh, and I don't think it is, which is, you know, really uplifting. (laughs) Um, but I think right now we're kind of in like this, almost like an energy conservation or like a sustaining, you know, everybody's doing their part and doing what they need to and doing what they feel called to do. Um, but I don't feel like it's extremely in your face. Like the women's March was, it doesn't have that level of energy, um, which is good because I think that allows it to be sustained. So it all, you know, it also allows people to not become, numb to it I think because when there needs to be another big push there will be the energy for it and it won't be like it's been that constant level the entire time so that's good um I think something that I'm really really interested in on a personal level is um getting involved with a group here locally 
who is, it's actually being led by uh, my Reiki master, the woman who is doing my Reiki training. She just finished her master's in process work. And, you know, her thesis was working with this connection between group meditation and, you know, harnessing the power of collective consciousness to influence outcomes in situations. Um, I have not read her thesis, but hearing her talk about it is just fascinating. Um, but she has started leading a bi-monthly group of meditations where she um, is working with you know, Reiki energy and collective consciousness to focus the positive energy and that really high vibration towards a particular goal, which to me is just fascinating because that is um, like, that is the law of attraction and metaphysics, like it, 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 it's ultimate for political um like political aims. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of goes back to something that I wrote about at the end of the blog post was the day after the March, Gabrielle Bernstein had said, um, if 1% of a population meditates on love, a ripple effect will be felt throughout the world. So pray for love, peace, and the highest good for all. You know, focus your love and trust in the magnetic power of its force. Um, and so honestly, like that is where, like that's where I'm really excited to um to start getting into you know i'm going to keep doing the action things the calling the writing um but i think if we can harness that that there's going to be a faster resolution to this than i think anybody could imagine so i love that that's such an amazing way to engage at that energetic level i'll be really keen yeah that works out and how that goes i hope that you blog about it <laughs> uh i will i will <laughs> definitely <laughs> and if people want to follow your beautiful writing and stay in touch um can you just tell the listeners a little bit about where to find you and um, anything else that you want to promote sure um you can find my blog at soulscapeblog.com um, and that's just a weekly blog post that I've been putting up and it's kind of covers a range of topics. I like to say that it's a nature loving, so full, nurturing, feminine community. And that gives me a huge, uh, range of topics that kind of fall anywhere within that. So, um, you know, I'll blog sometimes about this, you know, things that have happened and, you know, how it kind of relates to this idea of like sensitivity and introversion. So, um, you know, there's some of that, there's some personal growth stuff. There's some stuff on, you know, parenting from a soulful perspective. There's, um, you know, some spirituality stuff. There's a few nature blog posts. So it's really kind of just this journal, whatever I feel called to write about is, um, is what's going to come out that week. <laughs> and then something that I'm also working on, which I think is going to take precedence here soon. So I'm between parenting and working full-time and writing a blog. <clears throat> I'm also working on a series of books called Soul Child Books. And there's you know a little link on my blog also that will kind of tell you a little bit about that. Um, but they are wordless picture books for children. And they focus on natural themes and natural environments. Uh, and I kind of have a threefold aim with this. And you know, the idea behind them being wordless is because I really want them to be something that engages children's imaginations because they get to be the storyteller. 
And then I also want them to be somewhere that they can express emotion because that is, you know, a huge finding of mine in becoming a mom and really kind of digging into a lot of the soul growth stuff is the idea that, um, you know, we kind of discipline our kids and shut down their voices and we don't listen to their emotions. And, um, for kids, you know, suppressing all of that all the time, even coming from my perspective, kind of growing up like that, um, you know, it just shuts down a key part of you. So by kids being able to tell their own story, they're also bringing their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions to it. And they're kind of going to be able to like work that out through the book, you know, almost as like a little mini way of like fun therapy, like art therapy, you know, drawing their feelings. This is telling your story instead. Um, and then the last one is, and this is where, um, you know, a lot of my political activism stuff comes in is on the environmental side because of them being natural themes and natural environments. Um, I want to be able to use this as a tool almost to connect a lot of kids that don't have access to nature to, um, you know, this idea of, you know, we're all part of one planet and it's what sustains us. And, you know, if they have an emotional connection to the book, hopefully that will kind of serve to create also this, you know, emotional connection to nature and, you know, stewardship for it. Thank you so much for listening. I really recommend checking out Ashley's Instagram feed at Soulscape blog, where you can also link back to her latest blog posts, which are always wonderful. And if you want to continue the unraveling conversation, you can find me on Instagram at Great Unraveling, or you can head to my website at www.greatunraveling.net. Thank you so much. Bye.